Welcome to another edition of Union Money. I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we are focusing on estate planning. Many people view estate planning as confined to the wealthy. This is an absolute misnomer. The main purpose of an estate plan is to ensure that the family you have left behind are protected and the assets transferred to them. I will agree that everyone's circumstances are different and this means that in some cases an estate plan is very simple, in others they may be more complicated. However, you should always use a professional to ensure that there's no ambiguity and that the language you use clearly states your wishes. After all, you want to ensure peace of mind after your death. Joining me this evening is Harry Joffe, Head of Legal Services at Discovery Life, and Gordon Stewart, Managing Director Cura, who's joining us from Mauritius this evening. Harry, welcome. Gordon, good evening to you. Thank you, Brian. Hello, Brian. Lovely to have you both on the show. Gordon, are you clear? Is everything you see, what's going on, all okay? Yes, all good. Thank per you, Brian. Perfect. Good, good, okay. It's good to we, be speaking we, to we, you and Harry okay. again. Okay, we've got a good connection. Okay. I'm going to start with a question that I, I, I recently got. It said, my family recently sold a property which was 50% owned by my mom and the other 50 was in a trust created on my father's death. My mother, mother lived there permanently. And how do you calculate the CGT and does the estate get the 2 million rebate? Harry, I'm going to put that one to you. Thanks, Brian. Oh, what a great question. I mean, your, your viewers are getting sharper and sharper because the questions they come up with are on the edge of what we know. So we're going into new ground here. So let's just get a few principles going, first of all, that you know, on death or on selling a primary residence in which you live or lived, there's a 2 million rand rebate against the profit on that property. Now, it gets much trickier when you start sharing the property because if the person who owns it doesn't live in the property, they don't get the rebate gets even trickier here where we're talking about a trust. Because if you look at the law, the law allows for an individual, a natural person, or a special trust. And if you look even deeper into the law, a special trust is defined as two different categories. But in this section, it's only the first category. In other words, only a trust created for a physically or mentally handicapped person. So I'm going to assume that this property isn't owned by a special trust. It's just owned by no, a normal by trust. Well, they said that they inherited... The, the, what, what actually happened was... Uh, the property was owned by the husband and the wife. The husband died, but he left his 50% share to a trust. Ah, Brian, but you're not listening to what I, my law. So if it's not owned by a trust for a physically or mentally handicapped person, then it's not a special trust. So it's yeah, just correct. an ordinary trust. Yeah, ordinary trust. So the 50% owned by the trust doesn't qualify for the rebate. The 50% owned by, I think, the deceased mom does qualify for the rebate. So For the full 2 million re rebate? No, so what's going to happen is we're going to look at the profit made in the property. Let's assume the profit made on the property was a million rand. So it's split 50-50. So half a million to the deceased mom's estate, half a million to the trust. The half a million that accrues to the trust doesn't get the rebate because the trust is not a natural person or a special trust. The half a million that accrues to the mom or her deceased estate would qualify for the rebate. So the full two million would be applicable to the mom or her deceased estate, but nothing applicable to the trust. So it's quite an involved question, as you can see. We have to see how much money was made in total profit. We split it 50-50. The 50% accruing to the trust, fully taxable under the CGT tables. The 50% accruing to the mom or her deceased estate qualifies for the 2 million rebate in full. And then can you attribute that, uh, you know, when, when you're going to pay the tax, you can attribute it to beneficiaries. Yes. Can you, do, can you still do that in this particular case? Yes, but I mean, you can't get them the rebate. So they won't qualify for the rebate because they didn't own the property as a natural person. But the gain in the trust, instead of paying CGT at 36%, you pass it down to the trust uh, beneficiaries. 
and they would pay it 18%. Well, they may, they may not pay it 18% if their taxable income If their income is even lower. So they'll yeah. pay it a maximum of 18%, yes. maybe a bit lower. But the point is, Brian, they won't get any rebate. They won't get that 2 million rand rebate. Sorry, just, just let's finish off. So, in other words, if, you're, if you, your trust, you'll always pay 36%. Yes, but if your beneficiaries are low earners, you could pay as low as seven or even eight percent. If you get the gain to them in the same year, obviously you've got to make sure it's in the same tax year, and as long as there's no anti-avoidance rules that catch you. But yeah, there's no anti-avoidance rules because it was an inheritance. So you Gordon, right. anything, any comments you have? Uh, no, I think uh, Harry summed it up perfectly. I think when we're talking about the capital gains and where you know whether it's at eighteen percent or lower. Remember that the gain gets added on just kind of before you get to taxable income uh, to determine what the amount is that will be subject to individual tax. So it's that, that'll be an influence by the person's other income uh, together with the quantum of the capital gain. Gordon, let me ask you this question. You know, we talk about prescription. We talk about the fact that if you've submitted your tax returns and you've been assessed, and after three years, those tax returns are then closed. Um, can, in any way, the uh, SARS reopen um, your, your income tax return? Jeez, as, just as Harry said, the, the questions are really becoming cutting edge. I'm going to have to scratch in the back of my mind. If my memory serves me correctly, they can go back five years unless there has been a material misrepresentation, in which case then they can go back further. Harry, maybe you can uh, pick up on that. Yeah, one. correct. I mean, Gordon's 100% correct. So any, there is a prescription period, which is, is normally five years, but the minute you've done any non-disclosure or any you know, misrepresentation, then all bets are off. Then they go back as long as they want to. So if, some, if, you've done, if your family hasn't disclosed 10 years later and they think the tax returns and something then is uncovered, particularly on the death of someone else where they go we, back, they yeah. go back yes. and they start asking questions, then they can reopen. And that's, when you, exactly. yeah. that's when you're in trouble. And then uh, another question, Gordon, that came in, uh, my father owned shares in a business via a trust. Uh, there was a buy and sell arrangement. He recently passed away, and the insurance company paid out three million, obviously by way to the to the company or to the partners on receipt. That company paid it across to my mother. What yeah. is the impact on this? Okay, so Brian, I mean, this is again, you know, one of these questions that we're on the borderline of of reality and of an abyss here, because you know we haven't got an exact detailed facts here. Because I'd like to know first of all who owned the policy, and I'd like to know who. The company they're talking about is, is it the company who owns the shares in itself or is it the actual insurance company? But let's just go back into basic principles. If the trust owns the shares, then the trust should be party to the buy and sell, not the wife, because she doesn't own any shares. She shouldn't get any money. So what should have happened is when the lifer should died, there's a policy on his life that should pay to the owner, which should have been the other partners or other shareholders. They should have used the money to buy the shares from the trust. And that means the trust should have ended up with money, not the wife. So things have gone badly wrong here. I'd love to see what the buy and sell agreement says, and I'd love to see if there was a buy and sell agreement. Because I can tell you these things happen all the time, where money just floats around, there's no agreements, and it's the wrong parties getting the money. Because again, as Gordon will confirm, if the trust is a share owner, you can't just have the trust, the trust being bypassed and the wife getting the money. Because how does she get the right to any money? And now the trust has actually been, not defrauded, but has been shortchanged by not getting money they should be getting. So this whole thing is a mess. Yeah, it's quite a confusing question because they talk about the shares were owned by the trust, but then they talk about which would be the buy and sell, but then they talk about the money was paid to the company, which kind of leads me towards thinking maybe it's a key man insurance. But 
if, if we look at the, the question in its own right, there are, in essence, three ways that the funds could have been paid by the company to the mother. And that's, first of all, if there was any amount owed to the mother by the company, there would be a repayment of her loan. Or alternatively, there could have been a loan made to her by the company. Or alternatively, it's a dividend. So if we look at the, the consequences, so if it's treated as a repayment of any amount owed to her by the company, then there's no real consequences. Um, if it's paid as a dividend, um, then in theory, the dividend should have gone from the company to the trust and the company would need to have held back 20%, the 20% dividend withholding tax. Um, and then the actual accounting treatment would need to have been, will need to have reflected the payment as a dividend to the trust. And then the trust in its financials would need to show it as a distribution to the beneficiary. And then the last one is, is that if the company lent the money to the mother, um, then that loan would have to be at a, they would need to charge interest on that loan at the official rate. Otherwise, either it's going to be considered as a fringe benefit or alternatively as a deemed dividend. But sorry, Brian, I can tell you what's happened here. This is what's what we call a share buyback, where the company has bought back shares in itself and it's paid the wrong party because I can, we see this all the time where they should have paid the trust. And what Gordon's saying is correct. The wife is probably a beneficiary of the trust. And instead of the company paying value for those shares to the trust as the owner, they just bypassed the trust and paid the wife who's a beneficiary. And that's wrong because now we've got, as Gordon said correctly, a potential dividends tax. But that should have been withheld. And there could be CGT now in the trust, which has been avoided by paying direct to the wife because we see that all the time as well. So this uh, whole structure, I can tell you, but an insurance wrong. policy doesn't attract CGT. No, but the sale of the shares does. So if the company's buying back shares and it's well, let's, say it's, let's say it's the partners who are buying shares from a partner who owned the shares in the name of a company which was owned by a trust. But then again, the trust is the, re the real owner here, not the partner. The trust is the owner, according to this question. And if there's a company buying back shares, which I think is what's going on here, then there's a dividend and maybe no CGT. But we need to have all the accounting done correctly to see what taxes have to be paid. But the bottom line is that the wrong party's got the money. The trust should have had the money and then should have paid that over to the beneficiary after that because there could a lot of taxes which are potentially being avoided. Yeah. Okay, Ulrike in Janisberg's email me says, I'm 43 years old. I have two RAs with Momentum and Sunlam. Can I transfer the one to the other? Should I take my money that I've saved up in the RA and invest in property? Firstly, let me answer that question, Ulrika. Under you're 43, you certainly can't take money out of the RA. Not under these circumstances. There are various circumstances when you can take money out. But you can transfer from one company to another. You do it through a section 14 for, transfer. 14 transfer. You can't transfer from one retirement into the other. No. You can transfer to the comp to the Correct. to the retirement fund. Correct. You'll have two funds. Retirement with that with that company. Correct. Gordon, email from Anonymous. He says, my father passed away recently and his will stated that these assets to be moved to our family trust. The assets are primarily our family home, which was brought in my father's name. My mother was married with a cruel and having the three and a half million estate tax wavered, the trust is still required to pay transfer tax. Why would my father bequeath these assets to the trust and not my mother? Can the trust renounce its benefit if it does, then will the asset be passed to my mom and, and will no estate duty? And because it goes through its will, will this be pay, anything will be payable at this point? And what do you think? Okay, so I think let's, let's start off with the easy question, Brian, is, and that's why would someone leave the abatement to the trust? 
Now, I don't know how old this will is, but it used to be a popular way of, of utilizing the old, well, the three and a half million rand abatement, as in the past, it used to be a case of use it or lose it. Uh, but with the change that allowed for the abatement to, to be passed to the surviving spouse, it's not as popular as it used to be. Uh, in the question as well, I think I heard there was a reference made to transfer tax. Um, so I'm going to be making the assumption that this is to estate duty tax and not property transfer duties because there's no transfer du property transfer duties when property is bequeathed to a trust in terms of a last will and testament. Um, and then also it's not the trust that's going to be paying the estate duty tax, but it would rather be the estate. And this would be calculated according to the market value of the property, uh, less the abatement, which is a three and a half million, uh, which is then multiplied by 20 or 25%, depending on the, the size of the estate. With regards to renouncing, uh, look, the trust can renounce its benefit, but the trustees need to be very careful because they need to take all the beneficiaries into consideration. <clears throat> so if I was the trustee, and that was the request that came through, uh, then I would request all of the beneficiaries to sign an agreement that they consent to that renunciation. Gordon, I'd like to continue on this because there was a second part to this question, which is very interesting. Why, when people are leaving assets to trusts, and therefore, obviously, if they're large assets, there's going to be debt duties now paid at this particular point in time rather than a deferment. Let's get back to that when we return. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. You're watching Union Money this evening. Our subject is estate planning. <laughs> 